0: Let me start off this episode by saying if you're one of those people who think talking about money is taboo, tacky, wait, do people still say tacky? Okay, I don't know. Anyways, if you don't think people should do it, then you might want to turn this episode off. But if you're all for pay transparency, then you might want to turn this one up. Okay. Now that we've got that out of the way, I've got a couple of questions for you. Are you listening? All right. Were you led to believe that roughly $80,000 was the average salary for an OT, only to have a rude awakening when you actually started your job hunt? Are you a student or a new grad and you're worried about being able to make enough money to pay off your student loans in a reasonable amount of time? Do you feel frustrated not knowing how you can actually earn more money as an OT? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, then I want you to know that you aren't alone because this is honestly exactly how I felt when I first graduated. Now, I know that no one becomes an OT solely for the money, right? We go into this profession, we want to change lives, make a difference, make an impact, But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be paid well to do it. I am a firm believer of that. And you'll probably hear me say that quite a bit, especially in this episode, especially too if you came out of OT school with massive student loan debt like I did. So when I was searching for my first job, I knew that pay wasn't everything, but I knew it was going to be a big piece of the puzzle because I had these loans to take care of. Now, since salary transparency isn't common in our profession, and if you know me, then you know that I am absolutely on a mission to change that. I had trouble figuring out exactly how much money I could expect to make. The range I remember when I was looking on Google was like 50,000 to 150,000, right? It was this huge range. Now, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, also known as BLS, the median pay for OTs was roughly $85,000 with less than 10% of OTs making 60,000 and the top 10% of OTs making roughly 123,000. And that's what my focus was on. I wanted to know, how can I be in that top 10%? And guess what? I did it. But more importantly, I did it without sacrificing my peace of mind, my mental health, ethics, morals, standards, or even sleep for a quick buck. I absolutely do not promote this and I would never ever Under any circumstances, advise it. With that being said, today in this episode, I'm going to share with you exactly what I did because I want you to know that although it's extremely hard, it is absolutely possible to make six figures as an OT. And yes, even as a new graduate. They say money makes the world go round, but when it comes to navigating the financial side of adulting, they kind of left us hanging. If you've ever caught yourself saying, why the heck didn't we learn any of this in school, then friend, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Miracle Money Podcast, a space dedicated to having the real, open, and honest conversations about money and finance that we never had in school, but we should have. I'm your host, Amira Kondali. I'm a pediatric occupational therapist turned personal finance enthusiast, and I'm here to help you manage your money with less stress, more joy, and a whole lot of confidence. Let's jump in. One of the coolest parts about our profession as occupational therapists is our ability to be really creative. You know, it's funny because I never saw myself as a creative person because I couldn't draw, which sounds really silly. And I promise I'm, I'm looping this back into the topic of the episode. But I thought to myself, I can't draw, so I'm probably not a creative. And I think as I really honed in on my skills as an occupational therapist, I realized that I am a creative person. Now, so what? if all of my you know drawings look like stick figures, I am a creative person. And I think that that serves us very well as OTS, right? And like I said, I'm looping this back to where where I'm going with this. but I, I think that creativity is so important when we're thinking about how can we maximize our earning potential, As Because the truth is, it is very difficult to earn higher than that average of of roughly $80,000, $85,000. Now, that being said, another model that I always say is difficult doesn't mean impossible. So when I started my job hunt, I knew that it was going to be very difficult to find a position paying what I was looking for. And and my number in my head was $80,000. I said, you know what? in order to pay these loans off in any considerably reasonable amount of time and still feel comfortable, right? Still be, still be able to do the things that I enjoy. I knew that I had to have a certain income. And for me, that, like I said, was about $80,000. But it was very difficult to, like I said earlier, to find the transparency to even know if the job I was applying for was in line with that pay. And so when I started to realize that as a new grad, it was going to be really difficult for me to actually earn that much, I had to tap into that creativity that creativity that I think is just so innate to us in this profession. And so I said, okay, this is what I want to make. And how can I get creative and be able to make that amount where I'm going to feel comfortable? And there's a couple things I really focused in on. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. There's, there's three, I guess, huge or not huge, but three main points. They're huge in my book because I think these are really the things that are going to allow you to, like I said, tap into that creativity and then also be able to earn six figures as a new grad OT or even honestly, just earning that national average of roughly 80,000. So the three areas are Flexibility. So you have to be flexible on, and I'll talk about this more in a second, but flexible on either the setting that you're gonna be practicing in or the location or both. The second thing is really understanding how can I maximize my earning potential as a new grad? And I specifically say a new grad because, for example, you know, one of the ways you can make more may be to, pursue being a director of rehab, right? But as a new grad, that's not very realistic. And so speaking specifically to to you as a new graduate, I want you to understand what your earning potential kind of looks like and how you can maximize that. And the third thing is my absolute favorite topic. I mean, hands down, (laughs) I love talking about this, would be negotiation and being able to negotiate that initial job offer so that you can get it as high as you can. There's also a couple of other things that you can do in order to bring in some extra income. And I'll talk about those at the end. But those are my three kind of big points that we are going to spend the next couple of minutes chatting about. So along with the creativity that, like I said, I think is innate in us as OTs, it's flexibility, right? Flexibility being able to adapt to a situation, I think that that's something that comes really natural to us. And so, like I said, being creative and how you're going to earn more money, but also part of that is being flexible. And thankfully, I think that's just one of those characteristics or personality traits that many of us have. And that's why we pursued this profession. So when I say flexibility, I mean, you have to and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but you have to be willing and flexible to go where the money is and to follow the money. This is way easier said than done because you might have your heart set on a specific setting. Let's say you really want to be in pediatrics. And quick little story, I had my heart set on working in the NICU. That is really where I wanted to work. Now, it was very, very difficult to get any type of shadowing experience as a student in the NICU, and it was darn near impossible <laughs> to get a job as a new grad in the NICU. I think I could have done it, though. I'm, I'm going to be honest and confident in myself. I think I could have done it. However, one of the major reasons I didn't is because acute care d- was not paying what I wanted To be making, it was going to be really difficult, right? So I had to say, okay, I know that I really want to be in the NICU, but unfortunately, that's just not where the money is where I was located. So that is how I actually ended up in early intervention because I was still wanting to work in pediatrics. I'm still able to kind of connect those dots and work with those families who have had experiences in the NICU, but also getting paid well to do it. So that's just a personal example of. Flexibility and how I had to kind of compromise on the setting that I really wanted to be in, but I kind of decided to go where I would be able to make more money. So, being flexible on the setting and then also being flexible on the state or like the location where you are, whether you're in rural, whether you're in a city, a big city, those are the two really huge factors because if you are flexible on one, or both, both would be best <laughs> on setting and state, you are going to already be able to go where the money is. Now, I'm not gonna go into exactly what are the highest paid settings and what are the highest paid states, but I will link that in the show notes so that you can kind of get an idea of what that looks like. But essentially what you would do is wanna figure out where are those highest highest paid settings and states, locations, and then when you're on your job search, try to be working in one of those, right? Either a high-paying state, high-paying setting, or in my case, I was able to work in a high-paying setting, which is early intervention, and also in a high-paying state, which is Arizona. So that's how I was able to really keep that flexibility going and working for myself in order to Make the money that I wanted to make because for example, I my whole family is actually in North Carolina They're back on the East Coast and so part of me wanted to go Back to the East Coast, but I knew I would be able to make more in Arizona Versus living in North Carolina And so I decided to for a lot of different reasons, too But that was one of the reasons I decided to actually stay in Arizona was because I was able to make the amount that I wanted to make out here so Flexibility Is so key. You have to be willing to compromise. And again, this is only if you are trying to earn that higher income. Now, if you are maybe you're not in significant student loan debt or maybe you're pursuing PSLF or something like that, maybe this isn't a big deal to you, right? But for those of us who are trying to really maximize our income so that we can, especially, pay off our student loan debt. This is going to highly work in your favor. And you have to remember too, it's temporary, right? I'm not saying you can never pursue the setting that you wanna actually be working in or you can never live in the state that you wanna be working in. Think of it as temporary, right? You're making those temporary sacrifices so that you can live the life that you want to live later on down the line once your student loans are paid off. So that's all I mean by flexibility. So flexibility is number one. Again, on the setting, the state or both, and your first step there would be to figure out where are the highest paying states and what are the highest paying settings. And again, I will link the in the show notes so that you can see as of what's right now, May of 2023, what those things are according to the research. Now, this next part speaks to how you can maximize your earning potential in a job that you have. So whether you are currently working or you just accepted a job offer, but when I say maximizing your earning potential, I wanna be very clear that I'm not discussing entrepreneurship, starting a private practice, a side hustle, anything like that yet. I'm not talking about starting your own business or being a business owner. I simply mean your typical nine to five, I am an employee of a company, How can you maximize your earning potential at that job? And I wanna just stop and and make a clarification about why I'm saying this. Again, using myself as an example, when I first graduated, I could not think about entrepreneurship. I honestly couldn't. And this will probably be another episode at some point, but I couldn't think too much about what it looked like for me to be a business owner because honestly, I was just trying to figure out how to be an OT and I wanted to be a good OT and I wanted to get my footing, you know, just get that solid foundation. So for me, I wasn't thinking anything about starting a business when I first graduated, when I first got my job. However, I did want to be able to figure out how I could earn more in my position. So that being said, here are a few ways that I was able to do it and that you know others that i've talked to have been able to do it so that you know even if you accept a job offer sometimes you can even you can earn more working in that job so the first thing is working in a rural area Now, I work in early intervention in Arizona, so the way our system is set up, we have what's called tiers. So we have like our base region, and then we have tier one, tier two, and tier three. Our tier three regions are the more rural communities, and when I say rural, I mean two and a half to like three hours outside of the city, So, I knew that my early intervention company served those areas, and I knew that those were paid out at a significantly higher rate because they were reimbursed at a higher rate. So, I knew that there was an option for me to work in those, you know, tier two, tier three regions, which were going to be the tier three regions were about double, almost double my hourly pay, which is absolutely incredible. So, one of the first things I wanted to know was how could I work in those areas? And also you have to think too, it's it's really a win-win situation because the the families out in those areas, there was a, such a shortage of providers that there were so many kids in need of services. And at my core, remember as an OT, I love what I do, right? I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I just want to be what paid well, to do it. And so working out in those areas, I'm able to truly feel like I am making an impact. I'm making a difference because I'm helping these families who otherwise wouldn't have access to the the tools and the knowledge and the resources that I bring by going out there to work. And I got paid double my base rate to do it. So it was really and truly a win win situation for me. So I would say, gosh, maybe Two to three months after I started working is when I actually uh, volunteered. Well, I don't, I don't really want to say volunteer, but I mean, I guess it was volunteering <laughs> because a lot of the providers who worked in the cities at the time had families, you know, kids, and they didn't want to travel several hours outside of the city. It just wasn't convenient. So, since I was in the position to do that, I, you know, I did it. And the way it worked is I would go for. About three to four days at a time, I would spend out there, and my company would cover the hotel room. And I would, you know, drive out there, stay at a hotel, and then see those kids for about three to four days, usually um, over the weekend. So working in rural areas that allowed me to make several hundred dollars more per month, which equaled out to several thousand dollars more per year. And that is a huge reason why I was able to earn the amount that I was. Now, I have talked to other individuals who work in early intervention, but who also work in other areas of or other settings, and they have the option to work in the more rural areas. So it's definitely something I just want to make sure is on your radar that it's even an option. So that's one option. If you're with a company that's maybe like a large company, this specifically works well again, for like home health or early intervention, seeing if they serve those rural communities and if you can get paid more to travel further. Another thing that is worth looking into that I was actually able to do is teaching workshops at my company. So at my home health company, one of the things that we discussed during the interview is that the therapists have options to teach workshops, kind of like CEUs, You can get CEU credits for teaching, you know, different workshops at like lunchtime and things like that, and you can get paid for it. So they offered, actually, I'm not going to say the number because to be truthfully honest, I don't remember what it was. (laughs) So I'm not entirely sure, but I know that they offered a good amount for me to teach a workshop either, you know, via Zoom or via, um, well, zoom or in person and you could get paid to do it and so i actually negotiate a little bit higher i never actually taught a workshop though now that i think about it but it wasn't good option <laughs> the point is i want you to know that that is an option but i think what happened was well you know covid happened 2020 and i just never actually was able to teach a workshop but it would have been something i would have i think would have enjoyed so even seeing if there's an option for you to do something like that especially if you know the participants can get CEU credits that's really amazing so seeing if there is an option at the company you work where you can teach a workshop or you know a class or a course or something like that to your fellow therapist the other thing that i wanted to note about maximizing your earning potential at one position like at one company is working in multiple locations. This is something I recently talked to a new grad about where she was at a pediatric clinic and there were several locations throughout, you know, her city. And so negotiating that, okay, I am, you know, I have like my home base kind of clinic, but then I can also travel 30 minutes out here or 45 minutes out here to be able to see more kids. So that's also a really nice, nice option is being able to work in multiple locations. This also worked for me in my home health company because the company itself did home health, schools, and I'm thinking I'm forgetting one. Homes, schools, oh gosh. Oh, clinics. <laughs> Homes, schools, and clinics. So I would be able to actually work at So my base was home, right? But I could also pick up hours at the school and I could also pick up hours at the clinic. Again, that's not something I chose to do. I just didn't really want to. (laughs) I only wanted to be in the homes. But it was nice to know that I was able to get more hours if I wanted to, if I wanted to work at, you know, a different location. So whether it's You know several clinics, and you can work at all of them. Or even if, like I said, if it's like a home health thing, where it's home health schools and clinics, that's a good option too. So, figuring out how can I earn more just beyond my base pay at my current position is really going to help you when it comes time to you know bringing in more money, especially again as a new grad. Now, my last point I mentioned. I absolutely love talking about, and that is job negotiation. But there is just no way that I can even summarize everything that I want to talk about when it comes to to negotiation in this episode. So in the moment decision, I have decided I'm actually going to just make this another episode (laughs) entirely because there's just so much I want to say. But a couple things on negotiation that I just want to highlight or you know emphasize right now. Every single person who graduates or who is looking for a job should negotiate. There is literally no situation or scenario that you could come to me and be like, but Amira, XYZ. Should I still negotiate? I'm still going to say yes. <laughs> Even if the job offer like says non-negotiable, I Amir, mean, should I still negotiate? Absolutely yes. Like there's just really no scenario. And like I said there's there's so much that goes into negotiation, but for me, I was able to bring up my base pay by roughly $8,000 per year. And again, I'll go through all the numbers and all that good stuff and exactly what I said how much I asked for and all that in another episode, but my point being, I was able just by asking. I just asked the question, you know? Somebody told me when I was a new grad and I was kind of on the fence like, wait, should I do it? Should I not? And someone said, "You never know if you don't ask, and the worst they can say is no." And that's the only thing I needed to hear, and ever since then, I negotiate literally every single thing in my life because it's true, you never know if you don't ask. So, if you're listening to this episode and you are currently, you know, preparing to receive a job o- a job offer or you've already gotten the job offer, the big point I want to take away here is to negotiate absolutely. And I have so so much information and content on a blog, on my social media that talks more in depth about negotiation, but when it comes to maximizing your income, again, especially as a new grad, you can and should negotiate because that can really make a significant difference in getting your base pay up. The other nice thing about that is you're kind of starting you're setting the bar higher for yourself, right? So let's say you graduate, you get, you know, your first job and you negotiate and now you're making Well, that's kind of where you're going to start, right? You're not going to probably, you're not going to go to another job and make 75. You're going to make at least 82, 83. Like you're going to make at least a little bit at or above what you're currently making for your future job. So that's why negotiation is so important again, and being able to earn either that, like I said, either that average of 80,000 or beyond, if you want to get up into the six figures that really helps is negotiating your job. So Again, I can't get into everything I want to say about this in this episode, but pinky promise, we'll dig all into negotiation in another episode. I mentioned earlier there are a few other things that you can do to really be able to maximize how much you make as a new grad. So I wanted to really quick go over just a couple of these. So the first is travel therapy. Now travel therapy is something that I briefly entertained again because I knew that I would be able to make significantly more than in like a traditional you know standard job but there's a lot there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons to travel therapy and I have a OT friend shout out to Taylor the cozy OT (laughs) she is currently doing travel therapy and It just looks so exciting and so fun, but she's got some great information on her blog. So I'm going to actually link in the show notes everything that Taylor has talked about so far with travel therapy because I can admit that I am not the expert (laughs) by any means on travel therapy. I just know that it is a way that you can maximize your earning potential and earn more than in like your traditional type of job. So travel therapy is absolutely worth looking into. And I do know new grads who have done travel therapy and who have been very successful in it. So I think it depends a lot on your personality. It depends a lot on your recruiter for sure, the setting that you're in, the location, all of those different things. But Travel therapists, I mean, I see jobs where they're making like twice as much in a week take-home pay as a regular position. So travel therapy, I know that there are quite a few OTs and new grad OTs who have been able to make six figures in their first year working simply by doing travel therapy. So that is an excellent, excellent option. Another option is PRN work or as needed per diem. And the reason why I wanted to note The reason why I wanted to talk about this one is because a lot of times the hourly rate is going to be higher, but the trade-off is that you don't get benefits. So things like health insurance, a 401k, you might not get those in a PRN or per diem position. Now, some people, what they do and what I would recommend for a new grad who's wanting to make six figures is to have your regular, you know, nine to five kind of position and then give yourself a few months in that position to really get your footing and you know feel com- feel comfortable and confident in your skills as an OT and then possibly picking up some PRN work on the weekends or i know some therapists do it on the holidays or you know evenings Not that there's like a lot of evening PRN positions, but I would say mostly weekends is what I see, weekends. So I think that's a really, really good option to bring in a couple hundred dollars extra per month. And again, that equals out to a couple thousand dollars more per year. So PRN as needed, that is also a really good option. But again, really depends on a lot of different things because you likely won't get benefits. So you want to have a position where you're either getting benefits or you are able to pursue getting benefits on your own. And again, that's there's a lot of nuances and, and intricacies that come with that. So I'm not gonna dig into that here, but just want to put PRN work on your radar. The next one that can help you to maximize your income is independent contracting. Now, this is something that I, along with negotiation, actually really like talking about independent contracting because I didn't know a lot about it myself before I started working. And now that I know about it, I'm pretty hooked. I don't think I will ever do like an employee position. I want to be an independent contractor always. And the reason is because you are able to save a lot on taxes. So yes, I did earn six figures my first year of being a new grad OT. However, I was taxed so heavily that I mean... A lot of that I didn't see. (laughs) So learning about independent contracting is so key because you're able to actually make more. But then if you have the right accountant, the right tax team, you can actually keep more of that money in your pocket. So my independent contracting friends out there, I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So independent contracting is really, really a good option to explore. But again, this is one that I would say, give yourself a couple of months before dabbling into contracting because you essentially are operating as a business so it can get same thing I guess with PRN it just the the nuances and things can get kind of overwhelming so what I did was I worked full-time employee when I first graduated and then after about let's see it was maybe four or five months And then I picked up a side position in home health and I started independent contracting. So that's when I formed an LLC. I learned all about taxes. I opened a business bank account, all of that good stuff. So, But independent contracting, that's how I was able to bring in an extra, I believe I made an extra $10,000 in my first year simply from doing contracting. And because I had a great accountant, I was able to keep a large majority of that in my pocket. I think there's a misconception when it comes to contracting that you make a lot of money, but then you have to owe a lot in taxes. And that isn't always the case. I'm going to leave it there (laughs) because I can't get all into the taxes right now. But if you have a good accountant, if you have a good tax team, a CPA, like I said, you typically can keep a lot of that in your pocket, which is what I was able to do, which was great. And then the last thing, I kind of touched on this earlier, but starting a side hustle, right? Starting a side position, a side gig, whatever you want to call it, is when you use your skills and your knowledge and your creativity and you pursue something that you're passionate about. So maybe you develop an online course or maybe you start blogging and you're able to monetize it or you're monetizing your YouTube or you're doing brand collaborations on Instagram. There are just so many ways out there to start a side hustle and bring in additional income. That being said, and I'm not going to go into it again because I feel like I already spent a lot of time on that earlier, but this isn't necessarily something that I focus too much on, especially for you as a new graduate because for all the reasons I said earlier, it's just sometimes you just gotta focus on just one thing, right? So (laughs) focus on becoming the best OT that you can and then dabbling into some of like the entrepreneurship and side hustles and things like that. But it's not something that I focus too heavily on and it's something that I, when I first started out, I didn't focus on either. But it's absolutely for sure an option if you want to bring in additional income and it can be related to OT. It can be something entirely different. So, right, it's it's really up to you and, and what you enjoy and what you are passionate about. Okay, I know that was a lot. But I really hope that you're feeling motivated and hopeful and inspired. And you know that, like I said before, although it's rare, I will admit it's very rare that you will meet a new grad OT who is Even making the average, if I'm being perfectly honest, the average national salary, but making six figures, it is rare. It's very rare, but it is possible. So I hope that you take that away, right? I just want you to know what is possible and to know what your options are out there. Now, I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. There, There are many OTs and you probably have maybe talked to some who are really, really dissatisfied with their income. And, you know, maybe they don't feel like they're getting paid their worth. I can completely understand that. And it is a harsh reality in our profession, and I'm not going to lead you to believe anything otherwise. But I also really do know OTs who are more than satisfied with their income, and they're earning 80, 90, 100K, new grads included. So does it require flexibility? Yes, Absolutely does it require sacrifice? Sometimes. But is there potential to earn what you not only want, but deserve to earn? Yes, yes, yes. The opportunities are out there. When it comes to pay not there's really a lot that's got to change on the policy, the legislative level. I mean, reimbursement rates and insurance dictate so much of what we get paid, but that stuff won't happen overnight. So I'm here to show you now exactly how to land a position that will allow you to get out of debt, to build generational wealth, and just live a life you love. Earning six figures as a new grad OT is not easy, but it's also not impossible. So I'm here to show you what your options are, I'm here to show you what opportunities are out there, and I'm here to show you ultimately what you're more than capable of doing. I can see it, and I hope you can too. Hey friend, before you go, there's a few things I want to remind you about. Make sure you're subscribed to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you heard, please take a few moments to leave a review. They seriously make my heart happy. Lastly, don't forget to check the show notes for additional resources, links, and maybe even some freebies. All right, that's all I've got. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I'll catch you in the next one. And as always, don't forget to make it a marvelous day.